We really think European butter from France is the best butter. And our friend, the expert baker and best-selling cookbook author David Leibovitz agrees. Check out our recent episode with David to find out how he cooks with quality butter. And for recipes, tips, and cooking advice, go to tasteeurope.com. With everything in my career, I'm like really at a place where I'm like, I just don't know that I have it what it takes emotionally or in any way to like, quote unquote, be the most popular in any of these like social genres, like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and et cetera. Like it just takes so much effort and money and time and like a savviness that I don't possess. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. It's a great day when my friend Allison Roman turns up at our New York City studio. I've been really enjoying reading through her new baking book, Sweet Enough, and wanted to ask her what it's like to write three cookbooks in five and a half years. We also talked about the TV show that she made, the TV show that has not yet hit the airwaves, her spirited newsletter writing, classic versus new, kosher salt wars, huh, that's a good one, sheet pan shortcake, and where to eat out in New York City. Love catching up with my old friend, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Alison Roman, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love seeing your face in the studio. Oh, it's great to be here. Yeah, well, I've had your book for a while. I, I haven't grammed it because we get these like these airmails from from the factory and like because I'm work here and I just have had it forever and I've been like I want to talk about it but I can't. Cause, I know. You know what I mean? It's really good. <laughs> thank you. I want to talk about it too, but I also <laughs> feel mindful of the like talking about a thing before it's real for too long. And then, like, by the time it actually happens, you're like, didn't that come out, like, eight years ago? I know. It, be, it feels that way. But I, I have to just acknowledge um, I'm in the heat of a deadline myself, but book deadline. But you have done three books in five and a half years. Yes. That's really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it was supposed to be less than that. Um, <laughs> really? But yeah, but uh-huh. I, I deferred one year. On this book because, you know, pandemic. Yeah. Did you, have you heard we were I, in a pandemic? I've heard. <laughs> I've heard that it's, uh, I've heard many things. Now, yeah. that's a, a big, it's a pace because I think you, each of your books is unique with art direction, with, with actual recipe development. Um, but you, did you feel like you were in a constant hamster wheel with this, with these books? Um, I did for the first two. And that's why I needed that second year. Because yeah. when you think about a calendar year and you say, Oh, I, I come out with a book every two years. That feels like a lot of time between books. But the the realization that it's not two years off of making a book. It's, okay. you know, it takes about a year and a half mm-hmm. all told, you know, to conceive of the recipes, to test them, to cook them, to shoot them, to write about them, to edit them, to lay out. The, like it's it's mm-hmm. many steps in the process. So it you're not really ever getting that much time off. Like no. as my current schedule stands now, if if I continue on the schedule that I'm at – I would have to start shooting the next book towards the end of this year. Yeah, and, and like that's shooting with a lot of the manuscript done. Which... Correct. Well, I I shoot and then I write. Oh, really? Let's get into that. So that's interesting. And I want to talk about the art direction in Sweet Enough because mm-hmm. uh, it's a slight change from your first two books. I yeah. love it. And you definitely went to Coney Island and hung out with old dudes. I definitely did do that. <laughs> yeah, that was a highlight for sure. Um, yeah, this, this book was a little different, I think, because it's a dessert book. And to say nothing of the fact that I don't necessarily think of myself as a person into desserts or, like, known for them, it was my first job. It's how I got my start. I was a pastry chef. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's sort of, like, not what I became 
known for, and it's not really what I pursued long term in my career. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, what is it about desserts? Why? What makes my dessert book different? Like when there's so, I was really honestly in, intimidated to make one because mm-hmm. there's so many people that make dessert books that are real bona fide, like pastry chefs and and much better bakers than me. Um, and I was just like, well, where do I sit in that category? And I kind of realized I just had to like lean into the the me of it all. And that's mm-hmm. just that desserts are silly. They're superfluous. They're loud. They're they're messy. They're like they exist only to make people happy. And so I, I really wanted the images to reflect that. So you shoot first, though. So you mm-hmm. actually are making them without like a strict recipe. And then you're kind of, like the dishes, the the recipes. But you're also uh, taking them into like locations because like, clearly you're, you're like shooting in very specific places. With yeah, we kind of went everywhere with this book. I well, I, I write the recipes first okay. and then I shoot and then I write sort of the head notes and the the. Now it makes you sense. know fascia uh, in between. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> fascia connected tissue. Yeah, Love. so I I do start with recipes, um, especially with something like baking. With the savory stuff, I don't always. Sometimes yeah. I'm winging it. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like you have a few ingredients and you have a camera and you're just going. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, this feels good. This feels right. I feel that's a great way to write a book. Yeah, I do too. Um, was like the third book, dessert sweets book, like require like why desserts for number three? Was My like- old editor basically required it. She wanted it to be the second book. Yeah. Um, after I think of like the success of the cookies, which was in dining in my first yeah, book, right. she was like, you know, actually a lot of my favorite recipes of yours happen to be desserts. Like, would you ever consider a dessert book? And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of like an immediate no. And then the immediate no got negotiated to third book. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, I think, because for me, I really wanted to establish myself as like, you know, sort of a what's for dinner type of definitely, resource. Definitely. And that was really important to me. And I think that you can deviate from that after you've set the stage as that being the thing. And I think to do for book two would have felt to neither here nor there. Right. Like, who is she? What does she do? Yeah. What's her thing? And I think now people are sort of like, oh, she's a lady who likes pasta and like does dinner stuff. But like, she also makes a book of, des- of desserts, and if she can do desserts, then so can I, maybe. I'm mm-hmm. thinking. Well, Sweet like, Enough certainly nails the, the ethic because it certainly doesn't say, like, overtly, like, how to make great desserts or, like, how like how to— <laughs> How to make passable desserts. Yeah, right. I mean, it feels like you're <laughs> in it, but you're not fully in it in the best Allison Roman way. Yeah. Like, to refer to you in the third person, which I think is weird, but I just— Well, you know. We're, we're let's go. We're in a room with microphones. We are. What, what, <laughs> else, what else is weird? But you follow me on that? I don't yeah. want it to come off as, like, um, like negative. I, I think, no, it's true. I would totally— self-described that way as well. I think that like to come out and acknowledge like this isn't my thing. It used to be professionally. So I sort of know how to do it, but it wasn't like where my heart was necessarily, Mm -hmm. which is why I deferred. But once I started writing the book and once I started doing it, I was like, damn, this is fun. This feels looser. It feels freer. It feels like more joyful because desserts don't need to exist to sustain us. And I write about this in the book, but like there's no reason that anyone needs to own this book, and I won't pretend that you do, versus a book full of recipes that you're using to sort of feed your family, your yeah. friends, yourself. And like, well, it's helpful to have recipes, especially if you don't have the instinct to mm-hmm. just kind of riff every day. And inspiration is helpful. But like dessert doesn't – it's not a necessity. Yeah. And it feels good, and it felt good to make something where you're like, I, you got to loosen up. Like mm-hmm. we got to we got to stop taking these things so seriously. Like they're just for fun. Like literally just for fun. Dinner's not just for fun. No. Dinner is something that we need. It's it's definitely foundational in like living. Yeah. You know, dinner. But yeah. dessert you can definitely live without it. Yeah.
And I and I certainly can. I'm not a person who eats dessert often. It's like not something that I crave. I go salty over sweet yeah. whenever given the opportunity. But I think that challenge for someone like me to make dessert delicious enough where I'm like, fuck, that's so good. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I definitely learned that from the people that I learned from right on. working in restaurants. Uh, we'll talk about your, your love of pies and tarts over cakes, cookies, and other things. You have a real hierarchy here. I, we will get to that. Mm-hmm. I want to, But I want to first talk about some of your media stuff because it's interesting and cool. Travel show. I've seen you in Italy shooting things in, on social, mm-hmm. but there isn't like an announced show. What's what's going on with that? You're like, but where is it? What happened? I mean, honestly, I was like going into it. You do it. We work yeah. with ZPZ. I, I love those guys. And like, it's going to be a good show. Like I feel in my body. So where is it? What's I can tell you that it is a good show because I've <laughs> seen it. I've seen the first season. We shot a second season, which is even Wait, better really? than the first. You shot a first season before anything came out? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love because that. Because we had a premiere date and all that. And then mm. CNN... Um, <laughs> decided that they were going to stop airing their original series. I heard. Which is, yeah, public knowledge, but they basically, like, shut it all down. Yeah. And it was, like, right before we were wrapping the second season. I had, like, one more shoot to do. Oh, man. We were in the middle of a promo shoot. I had to be, like... Coming soon to CNN. And I was and then, like, like, coming soon to all. Yeah, exactly. I was like in hair, full hair and makeup, uh-huh. like in an outfit. It was like a total spectacle. And like, it was like we got like word on like a walkie talkie, like, uh, we need to talk. To oh, you. no. And we need Allison it, in the tent. Yeah. Well, because it wasn't anyone's theirs decision, you know, and everyone was really heartbroken. And it, it was like, you know, I guess if you're going to get your show pulled, it's like, well, it's like me and Stanley Tucci are in the same boat. So yeah, <laughs> I, there was nothing really we could do. So we're we're in the process of finding it a new home um, and hopefully we'll get to be seen. So off the HBO, uh, CNN kind of platform. Yeah, Warner, Warner Media, Warner. I would say, is not going to be the, the one. The one. The date. Yeah. Did you do anything on the original uh, premiere date that you announced? Like, Did you have like a fake premiere? The date? You said there was a date oh, already? Oh, th- it was like the weekend of Thanksgiving. So... And then it, like, came and went. And, like, that was, like, a really emotional day for me because I, I had, had all my friends. Like, I was going to, like, have my friends over. We were going to do this thing. I know. And it just also was this, you know, obviously emotionally devastating experience to yeah. pour yourself into something and work so hard on it for so many months. Like, it, was, it consumed my 2022. Like, I prioritized it. It's, like, mm-hmm. it has been my dream for so long to do something like that. And, um. Then to have it get so close and then not happen, you're like, and this is not the first time that it has almost happened and then not happened. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, showbiz, baby. Yeah, it like is I'm showbiz. trying so hard to have a good attitude showbiz. about it. But it, it is, it, it, it sucks. It fucking sucks. Yeah. And, and, but it will, it will be aired somewhere. It must. I it mean, must be aired. I mean, if it's going to be on, um, on Vimeo. Yeah, I'm going to put it into 90-second thir- <laughs> clips and start a TikTok finally. Oh, yeah. or, or like relaunch Quibi and do it. Oh, in, yeah. yeah, that sounds good. No. That I, well. I, I I hope it airs ZPZ plus Allison Roman. It's cool. Like, I, I think it'll it's be great. Good. Yeah. And I think, like, we did something really interesting Definitely. and different. Sure. And I think that was sort of like the the sort of glue that bind— the glue that binded us together was that we all just sort of collectively decided, ZPZ and myself, like— if we were going to do this, we wanted to do it on our own terms yeah. in a new and different way. We wanted to sort of like make something that felt unclassifiable and like not repeatable. Yeah. And I think that we did that. Yeah. And 
I think it's really good, and I think people mm-hmm. are going to love it if once they see it. Once they see it, um, no, we'll talk. We'll get you back when when it. Yeah, is. yeah. Um, but I also want to talk about your newsletter. Mm. It, it's like your media savvy is is definitely strong. Like you're really good at this stuff, and I think Thanks. you're welcome. And I've been a paid subscriber for a minute. I didn't even ask for a freebie. I just thank went. you. Yeah, right on. You know, I do that. You know, it's the way that you way you got to do it. But it is true. The jo- joking aside. Um, how did you get your newsletter to actually uh, work? Because I feel like we were in the middle of a pandemic. You put some stuff out in the world, but then it really grabbed people. And I, I think in, you should read it, and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's a great read. You're an, an amazing writer. But how do you think about your media newsletter business? Um, well, thank you. I I don't know that I did think about it as a business. It certainly has grown to be one. But for me, I think that I... I, I was sort of like, you know, in the pandemic, having the only option appeared before me, and that was to work for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had already had a, quote, Substack. Um, <laughs> I think it's so funny. People are like, I have a Substack. I'm like, well, you have a newsletter. Yeah, Substack exactly. is the platform. It's so weird. Um, but I had a, quote, Substack yeah. from, like, 2017 that I just signed up for so I could have a place to, like, send out mm-hmm. um, information for, like, my book tour and stuff. And I kind of never ended up using it. I got a column at the Times. And... You know, it was sort of like, well, I don't need a Substack if I have a column at a newspaper. You know, yeah. it was sort of felt repetitive. And then when I didn't have a column at the newspaper anymore, I sort of was like, well, I don't really feel like I'm going to work for anyone else again. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, pitch myself as a column writer. <laughs> right. And I realized that what would it look like if I were writing a column really just for myself? Without, like, the New York Times style. But, like, because yeah. I feel like you were able to really break any form. And we had a lot of us hadn't really known you as that kind of writer mm-hmm. when you started really riffing and getting into not just like the cool home cooking technique and, and tips, but like personal life stuff. Yeah. And I always wanted to. Nice. And I felt like I really couldn't do that when you're working for Bon Appetit or the New York Times or whatever. Like you're sort of working on behalf of that vertical or that yeah. brand or that magazine or newspaper. And yeah, I, I realized that I had never really just said, well, what does it look like when it's just me? And like, yeah. is that interesting to people? And What's funny about the newsletter, to your point, is people were like, I didn't know you could write. That's funny. And I'm like, what are you talking about? That's like, so I wrote, fucked up. <laughs> I wrote like 400 words every other week in the newspaper. Like, And they're like, I think people just were like, oh, shallot pasta lady or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, as you know, people, you're, I love it when people read the head notes and the essays in a cookbook. You wrote I know like three the- stories for taste, man. Yeah. Back in the early days. That's right. You know, you're great. You got and a it was link like, to those too. Yeah, I should. I'll link to those. <laughs> those were those were fun, like 2017 stories that we worked on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I it's funny because with the newsletter, like the words and the story really are front and center, yeah. and you get a lot of types of people that are like, it's the like shut up and cook people, the like sure. why, the, just give me the recipe people, the. I don't need to hear about this, people. The people that really have responded so positively and encouragingly about, like, Mm -hmm. being honest and vulnerable. And when you don't work for someone else, you're allowed to really be yourself, for better or for worse, I think. Do you want to do a collection of essays as, like, published? I do. That's great because I feel that's natural, like a natural progression. Yeah. And I think that that's – yeah, absolutely. I I absolutely do – I have that in me. I, I'm excited to do that one day. Yeah, and work one with day. like a really good editor to push me to be a better writer because I think I'm I'm good at the voice and I'm good at being honest. Yeah. And I just I know that I'm not like I'm not formally trained as a writer. My grammar is shit. I do nobody. I, I need a lot of help. Um, but I want someone to push me to be yeah. like you can be a great writer. Respect and that, that might take twenty years, but I hey, get there. respect that. Now let's talk about home movie. Shout out to David Cho. Let's talk about <laughs> what's up, David Cho. Yeah, right. Um, 
home movies is is like a different style of show than I think you're talking about the CNN yes. or former CNN show. For sure. I love it. And and let me ask you this. Does that concept grow? Do you get more frequency as after you do the book release? Because I just feel like home movies is just starting. Like it's just starting. Yeah. Like I really love it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. we we started in uh, 2021, like okay. early 2021. And I, I think, yeah, like early 2021. Mm. Um, and... It's grown and we're so we have so much fun with it. Yeah. And I think when you're on a platform like YouTube, you sort of have to make the choice. Like, am I going to play the game? Am I like going for like YouTube <laughs> superstardom? So true. Or am I just going to like do things on my own terms, even if they're not the most popular? Mm -hmm. And I think that with everything in my career, I'm like really at a place where I'm like, I just don't know that I have it what it takes emotionally or or in any way to like quote unquote, be the most popular in any of these like social genres, like TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and mm -hmm. et cetera. Like it just takes so much effort and money and time. Yeah. And like a savviness that I don't possess or or you there, there's no savvy. It's like like the whole algorithm. Yeah. It's, that like, changes. it's like qual qual quantity, not quality. Yeah, totally. And it will change the rules all the time. Totally. And I, I think that once you realize that you're not actually in control. Yeah. No. I was like, well, I'm just going to we're just going to make stuff that we like and think is fun and yeah. then get advertisers to help us pay for yeah, it no doubt. directly yeah. rather than rely on YouTube revenue. I mean, the jump cut style, it's like definitely woven with the Internet and like online culture. It mm -hmm. has a real zeitgeist vibe to it, I feel. But it also is rooted in real cooking. Yeah. Which I like. That's why I like you and many others do is that you actually root everything in real cooking and not fake cooking or performative cooking. Yeah. And that can feel like a Sisyphean task mm -hmm. to like get people to give a shit about real cooking when for the <laughs> totally. most part, yeah, you know, when <laughs> for the most part people are satisfied with consuming content that is just like yeah. visually appealing and like fast and quippy and like nice to look at. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so like hell bent on making sure that I feel like I get people to really learn and to like give them the tools to do things on their own mm -hmm. without me that, um, I think that also makes me a bad candidate for TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I mean, TikTok is definitely not for you. You can learn on TikTok, though. People do. I oh. Like, people learn a lot of stuff there. I'm not saying that you don't. I just think that for me, like, a lot of the, like, the, the speed in which you have to show a recipe, I'm like, well, I have more to say. That's <laughs> why the YouTube format is good. But I, I fully agree with you. And I we, we're not shading on TikTok because I think that is for food in particular. Yeah. Writing like 800 words about like broccoli roasting techniques, not really ever going to fly ever. I've written that story. I'm like in a like soul searching moment with like writing about <laughs> cooking, how to cook. I That's don't tough. think people read it anymore. No, and it's... I, I, it literally is a dance like no one's watching. Yeah. Like, that's sort of my attitude now for everything. I'm like, well, yep. do I like it? Yeah, is yeah. this satisfying to me? And then you find your audience and then, like, that keeps you afloat. And mm -hmm. I think that if you're for everyone, it's probably not very good. It's very well said. Back to desserts. I want to ask you, do I need patience to make desserts? Because I have no patience personally. And I just don't make desserts. And I think it's that's the problem. Unfortunately, I think that you do if you're like really going to get into it but i am not a patient person i think we could all use a little more patience generally but yes i make plenty of things yeah i make plenty of things that like in the book there's like full sections where it's like crush some raspberries with sugar and like spoon it into sour cream and put it in a cute cup and like that can be dessert and i think kind of reframing your idea of like what dessert quote unquote is mm -hmm. 
And it doesn't have to be a performance. It can be like a more, it can be a gesture. And I don't go into the, like buy candy or like serve a chocolate bar, like because I think we all know that you can do that. But there are like sort of the step above that things where it's like roasting bananas with brown sugar in the oven and like calling it a day. And, it's like, the and, perfect and, and moment. It seems like it's like obvious things, but like you know, treating your fruit like you would a vegetable is no different. And like, so I feel like you can sort of make the leap where you're like, I don't bake and I don't do desserts. It's like, well, do you roast carrots with olive oil in the uh, in a hot oven? Well, yeah. you can roast a banana with sugar in a hot oven. Love that. And like, it's going to be great. <laughs> I feel like you were episode two of the Taste Podcast, your interview with Anna Hiesel at Books Are Magic. Oh, wow. For the launch, you were number two. We're at like 195 right now. Oh and I believe you did say for dessert, it is the chocolate bar, which I fully love that. Yeah. And I think that that is sort of the undercurrent of what the book is trying to say. It's like, these are all great recipes, and, like, if you want one really awesome chocolate sheet cake recipe that you don't need a mixer for, there's a great one in there. And mm -hmm. if, if you're like, that's the only baking I'll ever do, great. Yeah. Let's talk about classic versus new. You're right. There are a lot of reasons to attempt a classic dessert, but historically I've found it emotionally easier to double down on making something same but different. Mm -hmm. What do you mean there? Um, in that I don't love to compete with people's existing uh, perceptions, fantasies, ideas of what something should be. I love that. And if you give somebody a recipe for a insert classic dessert here, you know, um, I do it once in the book. I do it. There's like a pineapple upside down cake. Yeah. That like, but I feel like that can be different. So I'm like, oh. it's kind of, I mean, that's canonical in like a more pop culture way. Exactly. Like there's not like the idea, but like you could flip it and do the other way. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the right side. That's, exactly. You can do anything. Um, <laughs> But, like, yeah, you're like, oh, a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Like, the amount of opinions about mm. that, like, I could make one and defend it, but I would rather do something same but different, enter chocolate chunk shortbread. Yeah. Where it's like, you can't say whether or not it's a good chocolate chip cookie because it's not a chocolate chip cookie. It's, it's just not. But it has the things that make that thing good. There's a picture and an essay of a double-crust fruit pie in the book, but there's no recipe for one. And that's for two reasons. One, because I've published double-crust fruit pie recipes a million times already. Yeah. And two— because there are a lot of great bakers out there that have wonderful pie recipes. Yeah. And, like, I'm sort of just, like, you can't really compete with your vision and idea of what that's going to end up being like. Because it's kind of always going to, like, have a mind of its own, be mm -hmm. messy, be this, be that. And I think I do actually give, like, vague measurements for that. Yeah, but yeah. I think that for me, I'd rather give you something different that hits you in the same way, like, in the pleasure points of, like, oh, this reminds me of a blah, blah, blah. Like, there's, like, a chocolate sour cream pound cake that reminds me of a Costco muffin. Yeah. And oh God, I love those. I'm not, I wasn't going to make a chocolate muffin because to me, I'm like, well, could I ever make a better muffin than a chocolate muffin from Costco? I don't think that I could, but what I could do is make a really delicious, like rich, like densely textured sour cream pound cake yeah. with chocolate that reminds me of that muffin. Yeah, absolutely. Not not to promote Costco, but the, the cheesecake. <laughs> I'll talk Costco all day. The pumpkin cheesecake at Thanksgiving is like my favorite dessert ever. They, like they can do no wrong. They're it's a, an icon of an establishment. It, it really is and not sponsored. Maybe it will in the future. But <laughs> let's Speaking of pie, I, I you really do make a strong point about how pies and tarts are like your favorite category mm -hmm. is that is that true did i read that right yeah i think because they have to me like a the best ratio of texture i'm a i'm a real i'm a real crunch girl yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh i love definitely crunchy and crispy and crumbly like textured things are fantastic but what's more is that oftentimes like the crust of a pie or a galette or a tart is not sweet right like mm -hmm. i have a 
recipe for a pie crust in there, which I've published a few times because I just can't improve upon it. Um, it's good. Like the copy and paste when you're in like manuscript mode yeah. and you like like recipe 67 of like 120 and you can just go copy paste for one. Yeah. I was like, I'll take it. Let's go. But I also was like, could I make this better? And sure, I was like, sure, I sure. can't. Um, <laughs> and that that's, you know, I use it for savory things and for sweet things. So like to me on balance, like uh-huh. a barely sweetened like custard tart filled in like a a, pr- a press in crust or a pie crust that's like salty and buttery and like just sweet enough. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, um, it's rolling off the table. It really it, it so is. So much. It um, just happens. It's just like to me a well balanced, tasty little treat. It doesn't feel like decadent or overly sweet or cloying or like too much. Like it just yeah. is like, I don't know, you're like, ooh, that hits. Like in the same mm. way that like I really enjoy like. I don't know. I'm I'm just like a salty, crunchy yeah. person. What's the least favorite category then? There's got to be a least favorite category. Um. Well, it, it's not least favorite. It's that. Okay. So interestingly, you have it. it's yeah. There. I see it, your face. Interestingly enough, I because as I'm saying these words, I'm like, well, it would stand a reason that I would love cookies, but I don't because they're too dry. Yeah. It so doesn't. They don't. They don't ever please me the way that other things please me. I love fruit. I love. Pie crust. I love custard. I love pudding. And a cookie is always like, even if it's a great cookie, if it's great, it's like almost too sweet. And if it's okay, it's like too dry. It's like eating yeah. a disc of sand. What about semi baked? What about when it's like really like quarter baked in the middle? Cookie. No. No. Bake, it's like if it's quarter baked, like yeah. you shouldn't be making a recipe that allows you to bake it fully and have it still be fudgy. Uh, I like the like the math here. It, it makes mean, sense. Yeah. But I also that was sort of like there are a lot of amazing cookie bakers in the world and yeah. I'm just not one of them. And I think it's because I don't love cookies that much. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, they can I, tell. The cookie can tell. The cookie can tell. Speaking of salt, kosher salt. Diamond Crystal is your hive. Oh, yeah. So tell me why. I mean, I feel like Morton's doesn't get enough love. I like Diamond Crystal. I personally, because we're in the East Coast, you can't find Morton's. I love Morton's as a name. I think it's the branding so good. is chic. Uh, but Great I, blue. It's the <laughs> yeah, best branding. It's fantastic. Uh, the girl with the umbrella, I love her. Yeah. We are her. Is it raining salt or, or rain? I think that it is raining rain, yeah. but <laughs> it's evocative of salt. And it's she's protecting her salt piles. She's like worked in the salt mines. <laughs> Child She's labor. Because it was the 1920s. Like, look at her style of well, clothing. She looks great. <laughs> okay. Um, where is she now? We must find her. Where, yeah. Um, yeah. I, it just feels better in the hand. Like, Morton's is too coarse. Yeah. It's it's too many too many crystals per pinch. And diamond, if you pick it up, you notice and put it in your palm, which I'm like pantomiming right now. Weirdly, I like it. <laughs> I like it. This I is am. a video free. Um, uh, I know. Podcast. I like speak as if you know. Always, always be on camera. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> put it in your hand, yeah. and it has larger flakes and a little bit more crushed salt. So it's like feels like way just more evenly distributed. Um, I would rather you use Morton's than table salt. Hundred percent, and it's it's actually a really smart recipe uh, development or, or recipe execution note because you they're not the same. No, they're not the same. And if you use a te- teaspoon of Morton's and a teaspoon of Diamond Crystal, are not the same. And yeah, and that's that's tough. Should be a t-shirt because it, it it's like forgotten all the time yeah. that like they're not they people think they're the same but they're like my thing is too salty and like oh shit you yeah. use Morton. And that's I do also offer that disclaimer at the beginning of the yeah. book. Like if Love you're it. sensitive to salt, you might find some of these too salty. But <laughs> I also know some people that. Immediately upon uh, looking at a, I I interviewed Brooks Headley once in mm-hmm. like 2014 or something mm-hmm. for a Bon Appetit story, and 
I remember at, like we were talking about like home cook recipes and like bakery stuff. And he's like, if I read a book, a recipe in a home cook book, I, om- I always immediately double the salt. Yeah, 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 totally. And if you were to do that in my book, you would have a hellish time. It would be way too salty. <laughs> so yours is totally I feel diet. like I nailed Yeah, I think so. And But I give that same advice for anyone cooking anything of mine or anyone. Like if you trust me once, tr- please try to trust me a second time. Yeah. And it's like just cook through it or bake through it once and then make any adjustments you want. Definitely. So more sugar, less sugar, more salt, less salt, no spice. Use this fruit instead of that. Mm-hmm. Like do it as written. Yeah, well, that's why we like do the work. Don't like. Yeah, yeah. I, I, exactly. And don't I think it. that for people to look at a recipe and be like, oh, well, that's never going to work. Or I, that uh-uh. feels like way too much this or that or the other. Just trust because it's also a perspective. And I, chances are, have defended the the flag that is already being raised. Yeah. Speaking of Brooks, this is like a funny theme on our show. When the fuck is he going to open Odessa? Oh, my God. Come on, guy. Open. He's funny. I've been Wouldn't it be him. funny if it just never did and it was just like a, <laughs> it's like an NFT. It like lives on like in this ethereal space and no one can have it. Well, it lives know. on an Instagram. It's like I only know. on Instagram. It's killing me. It's an Instagram. I wonder how many people just stop by. I should. Should I, we just stop by? <laughs> I mean, I've thought I've emailed him a few. He's going to be on the show soon, but it's funny. It's going to be great. It's going to be great, but so also great. so annoying because <laughs> it's going to be impossible to get in, and you're going to run at everyone you know, and it's going to be like a whole thing. I know, and like that's so grumpy. Oh my god, listen to me. I mean, it's part about restaurant culture in New York right now. It's it's just really hard to book and get into places. You just simply can't. It's you simply can't. Allison, we ask all cookbook authors to talk about the very last recipe in the book because no one ever asks you about that last recipe. No one ever asks you. And your last recipe on page 293 is a salty vanilla frosting. It shares a bed with tangy chocolate frosting, which sounds great too. Mm. So let's talk about that. Let's give it like a little bit of love, that last recipe. Well, I trick you because it appears earlier in the book. So you have to acknowledge its presence. But I didn't even even realize that 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 was happening, but that's smart. I'm forcing you to look at the last recipe in the book before you even know it's the last recipe. And then you're going to like flip the other way and you're going to meet mm-hmm. in the middle where you were reading before. Yeah. To uh-huh. me, that that frosting is like my answer to the like Betty Crocker, Duncan Hines, Pillsbury in a can. It's like <laughs> yes. deliciously vanilla-y. It's like salty, but not in a way that you're like, is that savory? Like it just is salty um, because most processed foods are very salty. We yeah. just don't realize it. And so I know I said and- that like I'm uncovering a deep secret. Like everyone knows that. But like it does to me like it is saltier than the average like yeah. home frosting. It's not a buttercream. It's not a Swiss meringue. It's to me like a beautiful, extremely easy to make all purpose white vanilla-y mm-hmm. frosting that goes really well with the cold carrot cake or the chocolate sheet cake or the yellow sheet cake. Um, like any sort of like I've done it like on um, – I made like big a sheet pan of shortcake, yeah, which is the recipe also in the book. And instead of doing like a cobbler or like, you know, any sort of like shortcake whipped cream thing, I'd used frosting because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. And it was like a bit overkill because like the textures are a little dense, but God, it was so it was good. Dumb. It was unbelievable. Let's give the tangy chocolate frosting one line. What's the tang part of it? Sour cream. Yeah. So it's like the sour cream chocolate. Mm-hmm. Why does that work so well? I mean, I, I've never really asked anyone, like, why do we love that so much? I think we love it because sour cream is giving you acidity while also giving you fattiness. And chocolate is actually very acidic. If you eat a piece of chocolate yeah. on its own, it does the same sort of like back end of your mouth, like salivation that 
that sour items do. Like chocolate is high in acidity. And I remember when I was a pastry chef, we <laughs> used to taste chocolates based on their like acidity versus mm. their roastiness versus their, you know, and you taste it and the notes look like coffee or wine tasting. Yeah, You're like, yeah. oh, this is like a low acid, high, you know, coffee flavored chocolate. And like this is a low, you know, high acid almost tastes like berries or whatever. And like, you know, it's difficult to account for what chocolate people are going to use, but I think sour cream goes well with any chocolate because yeah. it's going to augment the fat if you're, say, using something like a 60% versus a 72%, which is going to have less fat. Mm -hmm. And it's going to augment the acidity mm -hmm. if you're using something that's maybe on the flatter, more roasty side. Got it. Is there a brand that you go to for baking specifically, chocolate brand? I like Guitard. I'm a Valrona girl professionally, but See, in the home, I'm a Guitard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so there's, there's two there's two sides of the coin. Yeah. But uh, also, the sorry, a plug real quick is that the box of Guitard, forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, um, <laughs> the bars that they sell, yeah. it's like three beautifully wrapped thin bars and it's... Um, three two-ounce bars, so six ounces of chocolate, mm -hmm. which is exactly the amount of chocolate you need for the chocolate chunk shortbread cookie. So I remember when I was making a lot of those at the time, like for promo purposes, yeah. I, I would just buy those, and I knew that I had— Visually, right you knew. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is the right amount of chocolate. I don't have to have I a like scale it. to measure anything. I like it. I like it. Okay, a few more questions. Thank you for your time. Oh, yeah. Now, you're heading out on the road. There's been a few probably cancellations or delays because of the pandemic, but mm -hmm. I think folks listening to the show will like to know where you're heading— and where are you looking forward to, like, going for the first time? Do you have any spots that you haven't been? Oh, my gosh. I am going a few places. I am I'm announcing this on, I think, the 28th, so this okay. should be out. So yeah. it, it'll be common knowledge by then. But, yeah, I'm doing, like, a, a small-ish U.S. tour. I'm doing um, New York, D.C., San Francisco, cool. Seattle, Portland, L.A., Chicago. Great cities. cities. Yeah. Choices Thank made. You. Yeah. Choices made. I know. We really, I really wanted to go to Minneapolis, but we couldn't fit it in in the schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the reason that that feels so tight is because the week after I'm going to the UK, I'm going to London. Okay. I'm going to Amsterdam. Interesting. And then I come back from that trip, have like a week off. If anyone tries to do anything with me during that week, I'll tell yeah. them I'm unavailable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, Rest and relaxation. I'm sleeping. Um, and then I'm going to Australia. Oh, wow. Like Oprah style. I'm going to Australia. Yeah, I'm doing three that. cities in Australia. I'm doing Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. Great cities. Long flight to Brisbane. Yeah. Long flight. That's cool. I'll have to confirm this before we air it, but I, I'm I'm doing an event at the Sydney Opera House. That's cool. How major? I feel like you're made for that. You're I, built for that. I, I might be. I don't know. It's often easier to talk to that many people than it is to one person. Um, but I love going on tour. I yeah. love doing book events. Um, this tour is the biggest one I've done. Mm -hmm. I'm doing like full theaters um, cool. rather than bookstores, which I've never done before. Um, I think the first two books I was also doing a lot more like cooking and pop-ups and dinners and yeah. things like that. And while great, it also ran me into the ground yeah. and I wasn't really able to talk to that many people. Yeah. And I think I love, I love to talk. Um, <laughs> you love people. I, I love people. And people I love think, you. Yeah. And I think at this point being able to talk to a person, you know, a moderator and, you know, effectively do what we're doing right here, but on a bigger scale, it feels like. People get to ask questions in the audience, mm -hmm. and it feels really intimate and personal, and it's like a moment in a conversation that lasts only for that night, and it doesn't—I don't know. It just, like, injects humanity back into the process. I love live events. I'm definitely willing to be booked for Portland. So yeah. Just saying I'm there. So oh, great. I'll fly out. I'm there. Perfect. Um, but I think you're right, and I love that you're kind of getting out of the the cooking and just, like, letting it be—letting yourself be you and, and like, talk to people and be— 
open with the moderator, right? And I feel like that's oh, definitely yeah. going to be uh, the, the 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 style of event that your fans and your friends will like. Yeah, and I think that beyond just like the cooking technique or baking information, there's just like so much that goes into a career or these books or the process and just like current state of quote media. Yeah, right. Um, or anything. Like I just think there's so much to dive into in like a in a genuine way. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely link to your website, which will have those tour dates. Yes. Definitely book by the book. Uh, Books are magic. We'll be selling your book. Shout out to Emma, and Mike. <gasps> Emma, I think yeah. we I we sold so many books. My publisher, my publisher, yep. LOL. We're Here. in the building. We're right in now. the building. My publisher too. Um, same publisher, yeah. Clarkson Potter. Um, they said that I had like the indie pre-orders were out of control. Yeah. Like more so than usual. I think like in comparison to an Amazon or Barnes and Noble, which cool. I. I I love Amazon and Barnes & Noble. I know you do. Um, we all do. But I just think it's really great that the people buying my book are like yeah. also it's important to them to buy from an independent bookstore. Yeah. And is I there any more to awesome. shout out that I know we just said books are magic off the top of your head? Are there um, any independent stores that you can pre-order your book at? Yeah. Books and books. and books. Yeah. Um, Skylight. Love that. Books. Um, books and Books is doing signed pre-orders for stock and Skylight will be I'm partnering with for the event. Very cool. Um. Omnivore in San Francisco, of course. Oh, Celia, Celia we shout. Celia. We love Celia. Gotta love Celia. Um, Book Larder. Yeah. In Seattle, Seattle. Right? Yeah. Powell's in Portland. Sixth and I in D.C. Um, and I, f- I forget the name of the Chicago one. It doesn't matter. Booksellers listening to this show, respect Allison for knowing all these bookstores. I love independent bookstores. It, I do too. We're huge fans of reading books from independent bookstores yeah. and buying books from them. It's too. really important. And I saw somebody the other day say something about a person who's like plugging their own book to for someone else to pre-order. And it's like, I pre-order a lot. And I yeah. think that it, it buys me good pre-order karma. But I also just know that it is important to like the publisher and the author because with dining in, the pre-order numbers were not very strong, and then we ran out of copies twice. So yeah. we can't run out, people. We got we have to make sure the, they're printing. Get it your up. reservation. Yeah. Do you agree with the New York Mag assessment that you don't have to read your friends' books? Um, it depends on how many friends you have <laughs> and what books they're writing. I have friends that write books where I'm like, I love you. I'm never going to read that. You're you just know? being but transparent. That's just, well, that's just like if I'm not interested in the topic, or it's like, you know, it doesn't change how I feel about you as a friend, and they know that. I have. Do you know how many friends I have that have never even cracked? Yeah. Uh, Alice and Roman production. They've definitely bought it. Though. They're a great friend, though. Yeah, they're a great friend. They've yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you can buy it without reading it. <laughs> I agree. That's that's the see. That's the compromise. You have to buy your friend's book. Yeah. It's a small luxury. It's not a lot of dough. No, I want to fill my shelves and my apartment with books my friends have written, things my friends have made, clothes yeah. my friends have made. Like I Absolutely. feel like supporting people in your life is super important, and you can do that financially without. Or even just, like, visibly in your space yeah. and, like, talking about it without being like, yeah, I read that book. <laughs> Love it. Elson, a few more questions. We have to ask everyone who comes in from New York, what are, give me three restaurants right now. We just talked about, like, booking is impossible, but just you have to give three spots, please. Three spots. That you really like right now. That I really like right now. Restaurants. This is, like, the story of my life. I know, exactly. People it's, are always hitting you up. That's terrible. People are going to eat me. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> fine. Um Right now, like, I'm just thinking about where I've been recently and sure. where I continue to want to go back to. Great. Um, frankly, for a special occasion, I took my mother for her birthday, her 70th, La Rock. You yeah. can't be beat for a special occasion. Yeah. They make you feel good. The food is excellent. It's a restaurant for adults by adults. Yeah. It's fun. Rock center. Energetic. Feels very New York. Definitely. Um, it's It's not an everyday situation. That said... For expensive restaurants, my tip is always to eat at the bar, have one drink and a snack, just mm-hmm. experience the energy, and then, mm-hmm. you know, decide if, when you want to spend the money to yeah. eat there. Yeah, or get somebody time. to take you. Yeah, or get somebody to take meeting. you. 
Um, Woo's wonton. Yeah, Woo's is good. I love it. It's yeah. BYO. You can have an absolute blast. Um, I spend many holidays there. Yeah. Um, I've done Valentine's there with friends, Christmas Eve with friends, birthdays, um, just a random Tuesday. Like, I, I think yeah. that it's just fun. It, it, the energy, and I love it. Are you half duck, whole duck? Is it? Um, I'm a half duck. Yeah. But it also depends on who I'm with, if they've had it or not. Yeah. But I'm like, I do the crab. I do like the house special crab. Always good there. Um, the black um, black bean clams with XO. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, we ordered the like tiny anchovy with garlic chives, which is actually on the on the wall. There's oh, a picture cool. of it. Cool, cool. Shockingly delicious. It's tiny anchovies. I would imagine they're 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 fresh anchovies. Yes. Right? Yeah. So they're they don't taste fishy at all. Exactly. They're not, they're not briny. They're not salted. They're not cured. They're not pickled. They're like yeah. barely a fish. <laughs> um, it's like little crispy sticks. Mostly chive. Yeah, mostly chive, but really fantastic. I love it. Um, and the third restaurant, gosh, I don't know. I can't I can't get in anywhere. I, the other tough. day, my friends and I went to four places. We were turned away from everyone. Yeah, it's challenging. Those impromptu hangs in New York are, are long gone. I know. Yeah. But, like, I go to Servo's a lot because Good place. they just consistently kill it. The vibe is also great. Yeah. Also hard to get into. Always I love Keen's. Keen's is, like, yeah. forever my number one. Ribeye or mutton? Oh, ribeye. Thank you. I, I had a conversation with a friend. The mutton is not good. It's fine. It's, it's good. It's sorry. good to be there for it's lunch. It's fine. I hate to if say it's If you're there good. with enough people, I like a mutton for the table. Mutton for the table? Just like throw the extra mutton on for the table. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I'm in porterhouse for two for oh, up yeah. to four people Porter. because even three people of one porterhouse is too much meat. Too much meat? Too much meat. The, it, the, the portions at a steakhouse are yeah. so massive. It gets you in a in a mood, I yeah. think. Thank you for those. I have to shout out Moonburger. Up in oh, Kingston. Love Moonburger. You, I, I've been many times just like driving yeah. through Kingston on the way to the highway. I, it's a vegan hamburger and vegan shake restaurant. Well, it's, we, we talk about it like it's just a really great burger restaurant. I should, we do, yes. we do use dairy. We use American cheese. Oh, I'm and sorry. And Cooper Sharp. I and totally fucked that up. No, no, it's okay. I always assumed it was vegan, but no, it's American cheese. No, but that's okay if it. you do because there are plenty of things for vegans. Okay. Like our buns are vegan. Yeah. Um, the sauce is, uh, the sauce is vegan. Um, like, we try to, like, make it so that it's easily veganized. Yeah. But, like, if you want a cheeseburger, you can get a cheeseburger. But, yeah, we use All Impossible Meat. Uh, my friend Jeremy started it mm-hmm. last year. And he asked me and some other friends to be on the board of advisors. Cool. And he assembled, like, a really cool team of people that have worked in magazines and other restaurants. My friend Anoop, my friend Emil, my friend Danielle. And, like, yeah. we you know, cool. are cheering him on and giving him advice whenever he needs it. But he's doing an amazing job. The team is great. I was just there yesterday, actually, doing some, like, tasting oh, for nice. new stuff because they're launching in New Paltz later Oh, they have a year. second location. I was wondering if that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, they got the lock. Where in New Paltz? I forget. It's not yeah. a drive through It's going to be a sit-down. It's going to be a sit-down? Yeah. Great town, New Paltz. Yeah. But we were just like, how do we make, like— not eating animal protein the the norm and, like, not—like, making sure people didn't miss it. Yeah. But then having moments where you can have a little bit of animal protein if you're cool. Yeah, like milk and like, cheese. Like, like milk like and American cheese. American cheese. <laughs> <laughs> my, favorite, yeah, my favorite animal protein. Good for the burger. Yeah. Um, how's Upstate Life? Are you opening something upstate up there? Upstate Life is great. Yeah, I so I bought a property in 2021. Um, I, I bought it in 2020, closed in 2021, and it was sort of like in the, you know, obviously in the pandemic, and I was just like, what is life? What is my job? What is my career? Yeah, yeah. And... Really felt like I wanted to have a – I'd been looking at property like mm. pre-pandemic and then the pandemic happened and I got like way priced out because everybody panic bought. Um, but this was 
sort of a special little spot in the area that I have been going to for a number of years. I actually wrote all of my books in the area. Oh, right on. Yeah. So I've been I've been like have cool. like a special place in my heart. Um, but finally decided to like put a ring on it, as it were. <laughs> and yeah, I'm gonna open a, a pantry store in the bottom. Which is like I love that my dream. I re- I've like forever just wanted to own a grocery store, and it's like not a specialty store. My goal is to have the most like basic shit possible. Like I wanted to. I'm so obsessed with what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like pragmatism and yeah, like utilitarianism. Ut- yeah, like utility. I just love utility so much. Yeah, and I really got fatigued with this like onslaught of you know, store in any city in the country mm-hmm. and abroad where you're like walking and you're like, what are these things? And well, like, the New York Meg Shoppy Shop I article know. was really good. I, it really killed. Um, shout out, Emily. Um, God, two references to New York Meg. Wow. That's like they, not- they're, they really are leading the convo, as it were. They are. They're, um, they're good. They are good. Um, but yeah, like a place that you can go and buy everything you need to make for dinner. And I kind of just wanted it to be like a big version of my own pantry mm-hmm. and use it as a way to like highlight, you know, or may, or rather make accessible a lot of the farms in the area because a lot of the places sell their meat out of like chest freezers and it's sort of an honor system. But if you're visiting in the area, Airbnb for the weekend, you don't really know where to go. Yeah. You don't know like what road to drive down to like get the good chicken. Mm-hmm. But I can buy directly from those farms. I have chest freezers to store the meat in and you can buy it at that store. I love that. I can't wait to visit. It seems yeah. like the kind of thing that up, Upstate is is needing is not like the cute this or that, but like a real utilitarian grocery store, but yeah. also with a little bit of a point of view. Yeah. Because like ShopRite. Have personality. Because like ShopRite. Eh. Well, that's the thing is like I love Price Chopper and I'll go yeah. all the time because I have to. But I think if I could go somewhere closer, that would be great. Definitely. And if I could go somewhere that had a bit more of a community energy and like, you know, a, a bit more uh, point of view and like a bit more pleasant of an experience than like a big box store. So what's inspiring you right now? Food, grocery stores, yeah, um, seriously, shopping. Like we're talking about, like book cookbooks or food creators or people on the fringes. I just wanted to ask you generally um, if you had a few names, people you like. Yeah, I, you know, I have been sort of like head down blinders on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in food, because I feel me personally, I get very overwhelmed with the things that other people do. And I, I start second guessing myself and I start, it's like, a, it, honestly, not good for my mental health. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm just I, being I, like, is that a thing that I should be like, I is that it. the thing? Like it, it becomes very tough. And it's I know a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to keep your eyes open and stay inspired in your own category when you feel like it's just like a competition to like do more, more, more. And, yeah. and like, flashier and punchier and this, that, and the other. So honestly, I've just been trying to like read books. Love that. Um, yeah, I'm reading How to Do Nothing. It's not oh, going well. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Great thing to do when you're like planning a book tour, wrapping I a book, know. doing it. Doing well, press. that's the thing is like, I'm also just trying to like, instead of being like, how do other people do X? Yeah. I traditionally have really tried to like quiet that question and be like, how would I want to do it mm-hmm. if all, if nothing else mattered? And, like, figure out the answer to that first before, like, looking around and, and asking those questions. I really but, appreciate the honest answer. Yeah. Like, for real, that's, like, a great answer. <laughs> no, for real. You didn't have to, like, stunt and say, I have this person, that person. You, like, reel that. It's definitely— I love what other people do. Of course. And I, I just also know that, like, at the period—the the place that I'm in right now, um, it feels like there's too much repetition. Okay. And I think that in order to, like, make sure that I'm not contributing too heavily to that, I'm, like— doing something that feels genuine to myself and not reactionary to what someone else is doing. Like that. 
Allison, we asked all guests on the Taste Podcast if you could write a cookbook or food culture book without the burden of time, meaning you have no deadline, mm. or the burden of budget, meaning you have all the money in the world. What would that book be? Well, I know that if I had all day, I'd take all day, you know? I know. So I'm like, well, if you were like, you have a book it's due in five years, guess what? I would do that book in the last six months of five (laughs) years from now. Like, I wouldn't, like, take five years to do it. Um, So you do no book. It'd be nothing. Well, I think, like, I don't know. I I saw that question you had, like, posited earlier, and I I was thinking about it because I don't think you need a huge budget to make a great book. I love the way that you do books and, like, the travel aspect and, like, you kind of, like— learn as you're going and like are able to sort of do a hybrid of reporting and documenting. And that's really cool. I think that one day to do something like that would be really awesome where like the onus isn't on me necessarily to like write the recipes, but to sort of like study the way that other people cook in their home throughout the world and just like have the budget to travel and like see how things are done. Because well, yeah, I guess to answer your previous question, the, (laughs) the people I'm most inspired by is people old people that cook at home. Mm-hmm. And when traveling and doing this show, I met so many people and farmers and cooks and um, just regular people that like are excellent home cooks. And those are always the people that I learned the most from. Oh, I love the answer. Peacock, Travel Channel, CBS. <laughs> it's definitely a cooking show and like with a travel bent. And, but some episodes, there's no travel at all. So. Oh, so it's in the studio, stand in No, store. no studio. I filmed it upstate. Oh, so I it's in a home, but like, like Jamie Oliver style. Yeah, there's travel components, though. So it's like we do sort of like leave the kitchen to go learn about stuff. So it's like. Where is this going to land? It has has so many places it can land. I know. It's really special. It's a special And very good. And and I think very, very informative. And I learned so much filming it. Like it was kind of like I got to ask every question I've had about like an ingredient or a process. Mm -hmm. And like we then got to answer the question. It's it's so dope. I cannot wait to watch it. I can't wait for you to watch it either. Alison Roman, thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. The Taste Podcast is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.